0: I've been in HR for a long time, and we've been like clamoring, and we want to see to the table, we want to see at the table. Well, guess what? Now you have the seat, the table, the dishes, got the tablecloth, you've got everything.
1: Welcome to NPS I Love You, a podcast powered by Catalyst. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and this show is all about awesome people, ideas, and stories, all with a customer success twist. On NPS I Love You, I talk to everyone from artists to scientists, CEOs to CSMs, and everyone in between to give you powerful insights that will help you in your career and in life. Don Sheriffin is the Vice President of People Operations at Slack. She has over 15 years experience in both public and private organizations from startups to Fortune 500 companies. Today, Don and I discussed the details of Slack's culture and some of their most impactful initiatives, the future of work, and the biggest challenges facing HR teams right now to jump right in. Uh, You have have had an incredible career in HR. So I always like to start off with something that's a little more maybe conflicting. So what's an opinion that you hold that you think others in your industry might disagree with you on?
0: I think if I were to be a spicy one, I guess the thing (laughs) that I learned at Slack, that I definitely had a different opinion before I came here was that you can and should consider hiring formerly incarcerated inmates from San Quentin. Oh, interesting! That is a program that we launched here. It's called the Next Chapter. Gosh, maybe three or four years ago, our CEO Stuart Butterfield uh, came in partnership with our Slack for Good team, and they, they came and said to Don, said to me, Don, um, we need to figure out how to hire formerly incarcerated inmates, and. Stewart is uh, very personally big on social justice reform and and prison reform, and um, had just recently read Bryan Stevenson's book, Just Mercy, and he gave it to the whole company, so it's a really compelling read. Not only did I say, no, I think I said, hell no. I was like, you know, Stuart, we're, I'm just trying to figure out how we get benefits launched and we're trying to get into this country and like, I don't even know how I would even begin that conversation and what am I going to say to the employees and what, like, I don't even know how that would go. And you know, one of the greatest gifts he ever said to me was figure it out. And so when your CEO says, figure it out, you figure it out. And um, in great partnership with folks on our Slack for Good team and and led by them and their thinking, we were able to figure out kind of the operational pieces on how that would look and what would be the culture component and how do we talk to employees about it? And really making sure that it was okay for employees to have questions and bring up curiosities they might have. And many people come from a place of privilege where they would never know anyone that's been to prison before. And so we started out at top level saying, uh, and such such highlighted my ignorance in this process, which was like, um, at first I was like, okay, we'll do this, but no violent no violent crimes, right? Right. And um,
1: sounds logical. I,
0: I, thought, I thought so, yeah. right? So I was like, okay, like okay, and I got a sweet look and a smile that said, well, John, folks don't always go to federal penitentiaries for nonviolent crimes, so that's probably too big of a of a factor. I was like, okay, okay. So then we, you know, we whittled it down to no crimes against children, Mm -hmm. no crimes against the elderly and no sexual assault crimes because one in four women have been raped and we wanted to make sure that our women felt safe in the workplace. And from there, we kind of evolved our thinking and created our program from that. And It is, you would have told me four years ago that um, we would have figured out a way. And not only are these folks employed, they're amazing, wonderful, contributing team members of of, of Slack and have been promoted and are key members on the team and asking great questions. And um, you know, no, they're nobody's charity case. They are doing wonderful work for us here. So I think that's probably a different opinion that I hope that many other people don't hold.
1: That's phenomenal. I hope that people hear that and, and think about how they could implement it at their workplaces. I don't think that's a common, you know, it's the first time I've heard of a company really doing that. Well, maybe a, a like SaaS tech kind of startup company um, at least doing that. Because like you said at the start, everyone's so hyper-focused on growth and on survival and you know those sort of things. It's hard to say, OK, I'm going to allocate this amount of time to figuring out how we can do this. But it's absolutely it sounds like something that has been incredibly rewarding for Slack and definitely sounds like it fits in with, with the Slack culture for sure. So I think I think that's wonderful.
0: I think if you go to our website and look under Slack for good, we, there's a white paper where we've talked about how we created the program. So I welcome folks to check it out. And if it's something that's interesting, you know, we are really big advocates and it's been a success for us. So I hope it will work for others
1: that try it as well. Amazing. Thank you. Speaking a little more broadly about company culture, because you have been in this field for, I think it was 15 years. It's been a minute. Been, mm-hmm. There's all, so many things to balance when you look at HR, but what is the if you had to pick one thing as sort of the most important thing about a company's culture, especially at scale, what would that be?
0: I think the most important thing for a company's culture is that it is authentic. And what I mean by that is I don't believe that there are good and bad cultures. I think there are the only bad culture is a culture that says it's one thing and does another. And unfortunately, I have worked for those places. My guess is many folks have worked for those places where that company will say it believes in these things, or here are the values, and then it acts in a completely incongruous way. So when I talk about culture, I usually you know, use uh, I use an acronym called R, A-R-E. One is your culture should be articulated. The second is it should be repeated. And the third is it should be enforced. And enforced is a it pretty is. strong word. I was going to say,
1: I, I bristled a little <laughs> when you said that. I was like... Yeah,
0: I saw I saw the bristling. I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. With I that. saw it. That sounds really scary. Right. And you know, I actually went back and forth. It was not just to make it a cute (laughs) acronym. You know, I went back and forth and thought about it a lot and I purposefully chose a hard word there, like an edgier word, because if you say your culture is one thing, but you let people act in opposite or not in alignment to it, Mm -hmm. then even though if you want that to be authentic and even if you want it to drive in that way, it will start to fall apart where it's, well, you say that we're about direct communication, Mm -hmm. but everyone's like really being passive aggressive and not having the conversation in the meeting. They're having it after the meeting and all that kind of stuff. right? Right. So if you don't enforce it by saying like, Hey, no, we actually have direct conversations here and this is what it looks like. So please go back and have that direct conversation. Then you're at the risk of it all being a house of cards.
1: absolutely. I, I definitely agree. I think authenticity is incredibly important. I guess that that sort of leads into my next question, my follow-up that I wanted to ask on that because it feels like when you're an organization of of fifty people, like Catalyst is, you know we can we know each other. we know we can be authentic. We know what our authentic sort of culture is as individuals, but also as a team, I can't begin to imagine, I mean, the the diversity in in a 5,000 person strong company must be, you know, must run the gamut right between people who are, who have all sorts of different values, backgrounds, opinions, different expressions of authenticity. So I'm curious to how you view authenticity at scale. Is it authenticity to the company's values or each person's individual authenticity? That's sort of what I'd love to have you unpack a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I I think that's a a really thoughtful question, right? And I think the employer has the responsibility to make a container that will allow for people to show up authentically. But then the employee has to decide if they're going to do it or not, right? And so I think it's a partnership and a handshake between that. And I think, you know, at scale, what that looks like is... People having models and examples of people showing up authentically, and that is everything from I don't know, authentic dressing. Like if everyone's wearing khaki pants and a blue button-down shirt, (laughs) like that doesn't really feel like a a full representation of my of my authentic self, right? Right. I don't need to be wearing like a feather boa. I mean, I have my days. Um, I mean, I like to on a Saturday night, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) but but you know, I mean, just you know, the signals. Like if culture is a is a combination of stories and symbols and and expressions and unwritten rules. I think that's the culture that allows authenticity to bloom. So how do people dress? How do people talk? Does everyone look like me? Can I be a little different? Can I, I've worked at places where, they're like oh, you can't have any facial piercings at all, right? Not that you know, people are their facial piercings. But if I'm not interacting with customers, does it matter? Like what would that look would that look like? And so a lot of that is like superficial, but I think those are the those are the top line signals that diversity is welcome here, that people can be authentic. And then you go deeper, which is how do you celebrate, recognize, and reward people that are showing up doing great work? And doing it authentically. So what I mean by that is like, if you're a product person, for example, maybe you have a very specific example of how you use the product or why it's different for you. And are you bringing that into the conversation? Are you thinking about how the product is used among your community and how you're bringing that back in? Are you pushing back on ideas that you genuinely don't think are great? Now, I'm not saying that means like, you know, it in an argument state all the time. There's a, combative. Yeah, there's a disagree and commit point, but are you speaking your truth? And right. I think it can be incredibly challenging. And I think that of course we all know psychological safety is incredibly important, but I think sometimes as a leader too, that term can be weaponized and bantied about. And so that's why I think it's a real handshake between the employer and the employee and folks have to show up both ways where it's mm-hmm. the employer's job to make the container but then the employee has to like step into the discomfort of being authentic
1: yeah i think that's a great way of, of phrasing it just that that handshake that meeting in the middle and no one should be going 100% catering to the other and it's just not possible to do and i think i mean for for me personally and my experiences i think it's the mark of a a great company or a great team if there can be disagreement, especially between, you know, an IC and their manager or, you know, someone who can, if I can go at catalyst directly to my CEO and say, hey, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea. Here's why. And he listens. And then we change the plan. To me, that's, that's one of the most important things and signs that a company values people and and being authentic at work.
0: Yeah, I would agree, yeah.
1: So it's no easy feat, especially at scale. Um, But what is is currently the biggest challenge that you and the People team are tackling at Slack right now?
0: Well, I mean, first of all, 2020 should just be branded the year of the People team. I mean- Yeah, true. Shout out to all my HR and People professionals out there. Holy crap, this year has been hard. Like it has (laughs) been hard. And I think myself and the team, are energized, but also we've been running hard since March. Right. And so, I think like the biggest one, I don't know, there's so many to choose from in this year.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's 2020. <laughs> so the uh, murder hornets yes. are the, uh, they're, you're, are they covered by insurance is that that's the, right.
0: Uh, that's <laughs> right. And, and then the murder hornets just went away. People just stopped talking about the, like, they just kind of, Yeah. Okay, did, eh, that's, how, that's how 2020 is like murder hornets don't even get like the top billing anymore. Yeah, on the list. But what I would say is, you know, I think for us and for us at Slack and how we're thinking about and why I think it's such a cool place to work in the people profession is it's really about helping define what the future of work is, right? And so is that, do people come into an office every day? What is the purpose of an office? How do we support people that are finding it hard to try boundaries between home and the office when you're physically in the same space every day, all day?
1: I can't relate to that (laughs) at all.
0: (laughs) And so I think that Thinking about what that—how do you do? Employ people in every country? Do you employ people in every state and every province? Mm -hmm. How are you thinking about like can roles be done from anywhere in the globe? You know, I think those are some of like the really fun, cool, interesting problems that um, you know we get a chance to work on, and and so I think that's you know there's lots of tactical stuff we've been working on.
1: But that's a great point. That's and I I love that you phrase it that way because I always love to think about. I, I forget where I first read it or learned it, but uh, it was a quote about basically saying that that life isn't about avoiding problems. It's about finding the problems that you love to solve because there's always going to be problems. So I just love that you that you phrased it that way because i I get that sense that you're excited to tackle all of those. And I'm curious so before we we started recording, you were mentioning um that you just kind of came out of a lot of planning and thinking about what the that future of work will look like for Slack. So, I'm curious if you can share to give us a sense of what you're thinking about.
0: I'm happy to share from from what I believe today. And, you know, I think all of us are doing our, our <laughs> best guess. it will be
1: changed by tomorrow. It will
0: be changed by tomorrow. But, you know, what I will say is, you know, we've done a phenomenal job spinning up uh, this thing at Slack called the Future Forum. And so what that is, is it's a kind of a thought leader, incubator and research provider. And so um, they've been great thought partners as we think about what is that future of work. So not just for helping us slack lead the conversation for the world, hopefully, but also to make sure that our internal practices match mm-hmm. that too. Right. So that can, again, that authenticity start, and where yeah. that matches. Yep. Exactly. So it's all a big loop. It's all, a big. Yeah. Loop. but we know that, you know, I think don't quote me exactly, but ish plus or minus two, like 12% of people, uh, want to come into the office every single day. 16% of people want to, be at home every single day. The vast majority, I think it's 72%, check my math, want to have some hybrid solution, right? right. And so, you know, I think the, the TLDR, the headline there is, how are you gonna support folks that want to be, have more flexibility, go back and forth, and what does that really look like? So, I think when we think about the future of work, one thing we've done as a company is we've defaulted to, most roles are able to be done remotely right? So that means that most roles are going to be able to be supported in some sort of distributed way. Of course, there's support with customers and some roles have to be on site because it's physically an on-site role. But for the most part, it's a default to yes perspective. I think the other thing is, as we think about what does it look like from an office perspective, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of people like leave the Bay Area, for example, and move to other areas. And we think that the office will be centers for collaboration and celebration so you come in to be with your team you come in to celebrate a win a launch a birthday a new baby a wedding whatever that might be where you can have those moments of human connection i personally also think that there's going to be more and more micro communities that pop up and what i mean by that is we've seen a real deepening and attention for our ergs where people are really looking to each other and support each other during this time Mm -hmm. i can imagine and you know, when COVID wasn't as restricted, people in like same neighborhoods and communities, I would see them in Slack meeting up together. Right. And so I think like where you meet up, where you collaborate, all of that can be done in a different way. And I think that's a, those are some of the things we're talking about.
1: That's very cool. There's there's definitely a lot there. Are you approaching this, or does Slack approach this as, you know, we have to figure this out for ourselves, but also you know, our company is the future of work, that's what we're shaping, so we also have to develop and think about this as something that we will put out and potentially advise other companies to do or just lead by example. Is that, you're kind of juggling both of those balls?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's true. I mean, I think we, of course, have a profound care for our employees and we wanna think about how we can support them in this brave new future but you know slack was built is a company that's been built on customer love and our customers are incredibly important to us and so i think for us we're thinking about where do we have an opportunity or a unique skill set or a unique set of perspective that can help people unlock right so even if you've used slack you've not used slack at slack right it's like, uh, sometimes i joke is like slack on steroids <laughs> and so what that means is we know how to collaborate distributedly. Like our right. our platform is our headquarters now. And so what does that look like? We have that skill set, we have that muscle. How can we help and teach other people what that might look like? You know, I think people in the HR people space for a long time have been talking about the future of work being distributed, remote, transparent. I'm not a salesperson, so I, I always get caught up when I'm like, Slack does this. But I do fundamentally believe that Slack supports all of those things. It's one of the reasons I took the role at Slack in the first place, mm-hmm. right? And so we have a skill set and a muscle built up that you know, we've been training... 10 hours a day for the last several years (laughs) and how we can help and support people with that. So I think it is a combination, um, but customer love is the center of everything we do at Slack. And uh, if we, you know, we also believe in, you know, if you solve for the person that has maybe the most struggle, then that will rise all the boats around. So we're, we're looking at that broadly.
1: Interesting. Very cool. I definitely think that we're, you know, the future is looking distributed, but I also think that. People have realized now more than ever, you know, the vow that how much they crave human connection, or at least most people, and seeing each other in person. So I think, you know, no matter what, it's going to be some sort of of hybrid approach, and it'll be interesting to see how that manifests once we have the optionality again, because we'll have gone from always being out to always being in. We'll see if we land in the middle. It'll be an interesting few years for sure, especially for for you and anyone else on a people team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just think it is. Um... Yeah, I like uh, I like Netflix. I like to uh, you know that's one of the gifts of COVID is I've watched a bunch of TV that I haven't seen before. Thank you, Ozarks. I yeah. appreciate you. <laughs> um, but and they talk about the golden age of television, right? And I've really been enjoying that. I really think we might be entering into the golden age of people and the golden age of HR. Like I think really the shift, the fundamental way people are working. Mm-hmm it's really, it's, you know, I've been in HR for a long time and we've been like clamoring and we want to see to the table. We want to see at the table. Well, guess what? Now you have the seat, the table, the dishes, <laughs> the tablecloth, you've got everything. And so I really, you know, I'm hopeful that we're entering into this kind of golden age of people. Mm-hmm. And there's some really fantastic, wonderful people, professionals that I know that I'm excited to see do great work. Yep. I will say like, even just, I'm sure, If you're a people professional, you get this too. Tons of like pings about new job opportunities more than I've ever seen before because people are opening up more people roles. They're seeing the value of it in in their company in the world and needing help and support to navigate and, and evolve business through this period of time. And I'm also seeing some of my colleagues taking a break. Like I've probably had four or five peers in the last month or two, just said, gosh, I'm exhausted since March and pulling the company through. I'm just going to take a break for a minute and hopefully I'll come back.
1: (laughs) Hopefully. uh, Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah. I think we need to all watch out for each other to make sure that we are um, supporting, not burn out for, you know, put on our own oxygen mask so that we can support others.
1: Definitely. And, and that's an area I want to dive a little more into. We have a huge emphasis on that at Catalyst as well. The, lo- the last few months have just been so, so, so taxing emotionally, physically on so many people. I don't think anyone has really escaped it unless you have like a cabin in the woods with perfect Wi-Fi and you're on like a lake. And I don't know. So speaking about supporting teams, mental health um, and how important that is, what are some things that Slack does along that vein to support their team remotely? So
0: I've always been really proud. It's lack like that we have invested deeply and for a long time in mental health resources and support. So one uh, I was just say, we started with great benefits from the beginning. We also make it very culturally and socially appropriate to talk about the mental health support. So whether that's in our ERGs or through our benefits communications or just even a leadership person, um, you know, sharing their experience or their situation that they're in. So I say that's a, that's the first thing. The second thing we did is we really talked to folks about how it's important to ask for what you need during this period of time, right? As far as I know, no one's ever been through a pandemic before. <laughs> Everyone has a lot of different custom needs. Some people are parents that are homeschooling children, other folks are caring for elderly parents, other folks are just you know, single living in the house by themselves and are dealing with their own stuff, right? You know? Um, so. I have
1: a cat that needs me.
0: I was just going to say, I have three. There's one right <laughs> here next to me. Okay. I don't know how we go back to work after this because I've created this odd codependent cat now. They're coming with you. Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. bringing
1: Norma with me. When we're back in the office, she's in a baby Bjorn with me all day.
0: <laughs> you you sound like my type of cat person. That's a whole other different podcast, That's a whole I think. Other thing, but, yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, Really like making sure that people fit, like demonstrate powerful behaviors, which is like asking for what you need. Mm-hmm. We might not be able to accommodate everything, but asking for so being an agent versus something happening to you. And then the other thing is we um, once a month we've had something called we call Fridays, which is the whole company is off at the same time. Nice. And it's That's an good. extra. It's extra day. And the reason I think it's so impactful because we've also been, of course, encouraging people to take their PTO time, but you don't have to catch up from anything because the whole company kind of takes a collective exhale. And so you really can recharge, which I think has been very powerful. And then finally, we've added some international mental health support through a a third party, which has, you know, an app for your phone that can, you know, you can get coaching prompts, you can get Guides on how to eat well. You can get connected to a therapist, but that is localized to different languages and also uh, available for folks just like with ease to be able to navigate nice. through an app. That's phenomenal. Versus having to go through an insurance company. Yeah.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I love that, and I love that you have the Fridays built in as well. Because I mean, I'm sure some people, you know, have an easy time asking. And probably depends on their manager too, but they have a pretty easy time asking for, you know, I just need to take a mental health day, or or you know, coming across um straightforward asking for what they need but then other people are just more nose to the grindstone, stoic you know so they have a harder time saying i need to take a day or you know i need help with something so i think having that built in where everyone has to take the day is is a really good way to, to balance that
0: yeah it's definitely made a big difference i would just speak for me personally like it's uh i love to work i work a lot um, sometimes Slack can become, become social media, like yeah. just scrolling to see if there's anything new. Yeah. So to really just make sure that I'm one setting a good example as a leader, but also mm-hmm. don't get that pull into it sometimes is really, it's been really powerful for me as an employee at Slack.
1: It's super important, especially like you said, to, to set the example as a leader at the company. I think that sends that signal out to everyone, right? That this is okay to do. It's encouraged to do, please do it. You know? Definitely. Last question for you today, if you are hosting a podcast and you could be sponsored by any company and get an unlimited free supply of whatever they make or sell. What would you pick?
0: Okay, so I'm a big iced tea drinker, like I drink, I don't drink coffee, I I only drink tea and I drink a lot of iced tea, unsweetened. And one of my COVID gifts to myself was I used the internet, did some detective work and figured out the type of iced tea they serve at the Cheesecake Factory, which I oh, love. Oh
1: my God. I
0: only like to go to the Cheesecake Factory for iced tea and brown bread. That
1: brown bread love... with the oats is unreal. I recently found out that I'm celiac and I will never be able to have that bread again. Uh... And that's probably the one bread that I will never, it will always pain me because that was my favorite <laughs> so bread sweet. in the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my brother's celiac, so I'm sorry about that. He's also not known the deliciousness <laughs> that is the brown bread at the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> But to me, like, I don't need to order anything in the... Like, I don't even need cheesecake. I just want the iced tea (laughs) and the brown bread. And so I figured out the type of iced tea they serve at the cheesecake factory okay. it's called tropical something and i found out on amazon and i have like 70 restaurant oh
1: my god
0: size bags that will probably get me through another year of covid and i have been enjoying cheesecake factory <laughs> tropical iced tea uh, at home on well i know what basis. i'm
1: doing right so. after we record this i need to try that down
0: <laughs> i can send you the that would be phenomenal I'll post but, it along with yes, the podcast
1: because yes. this is important <laughs> information don we should have led with this <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is, I know, it is very, very important work. Yes, it's very Excellent.
1: important. Well, thank you so much, Don. It was a pleasure chatting with you today.
0: My pleasure as well. Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend. If you want to learn more about Catalyst, visit catalyst.io. Until next week, I'm Ben Wynn and this was NPS I Love You. PS, yes,
0: I love you.